Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Luke chapter 14, but before we begin, there was a a woman that uh, was alarmed. Her husband didn't come home for a few days, and she goes to the the police department with her neighbor, to fill out a missing persons report. And she arrives at the police station and she says, my husband's missing. And the man began to ask for information, description. And she said, he's 6'2", dark hair, gentleman. The neighbor's looking confused and she says, that's not true. He's very short, bald, and he treats you horribly. She says, yes, I know, but who would want him back? (laughs) And so I I say that to say this. We all married the wrong person. Pastor Mitchell says we've always married the wrong, everyone has married the wrong person. And so we'll go for my... World Evangelism Sermon out of Luke, chapter 14. (laughs) Verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, and he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to them, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, all things are now ready. But they all with one accord, began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. And I ask you to have me excused. The other said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Okay. Money. I've got to make money. We hear this excuse. I, uh, I can't be so dedicated. I've got to, I can't answer the call of God. I need to work my job. I want to make money in the desires of the world. The other guy, I, I bought land and I must develop the land and, and, and make money. And then the other guy, I, I, I just got married. I, I, can't, I can't come. <laughs> what is this? I, I can't come because... I'm married. And so what in the world does being married have to do with not doing the will of God? And I, I say a lot. In other words, I have marriage problems, so I can't do all that I want to do in the kingdom of God. I, 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 I have a desire. I would love to go overseas one day, but she... I want to go to the jungles in Brazil, but... 
I want to be in ministry. I want to do. And so uh, here comes the call to do the will of God, to answer the call of God. And he says, uh, um, sorry, but I just got married. And so the big question tonight is, uh, can God use an imperfect marriage? And so I hope so. (laughs) And so um, I'm looking in the Bible for examples of, of, of marriage. And we'll go through here for a minute. I didn't find one perfect marriage in the Bible. So let's begin with Adam and Eve. Can you imagine that fight? You did what? Sin entered the world, Eve. Well, where were you? Can you imagine this perfect marriage destroyed? This is the first couple in the whole Bible. Noah, 120 years building an ark. They had no friends. God tells Noah, build an ark. It's never rained before. And, and, and without mentioning, Noah's wife didn't have a name. And so he told you to build what? They're going to think we're crazy. No friends and 120 years, no fellowship. They get on the ark. They come off the ark, and Noah gets drunk. Talk about marriage problems. Abraham and Sarah. Just moving through the Bible. A brand new convert. First one saved. Revelation of God. He comes home, and he says, I I got saved. She says, what's saved? And uh, God spoke to me, and we're going to go. Where are we going? Uh, I have no idea, but we're going. Can you imagine? And, and 25 years of no fruit, doubts and questions. And she says, are you sure you heard from God? Are you, are you sure? And, and no fruit. And the, the, Hagar, the, the servant, just, just take her. Okay. And the fights after in this imperfect marriage without fruit. Isaac, Isaac follows in the footsteps of his father. Abraham sold his wife because he was fearful. And when Abraham sold his wife and said, lied, said, is my sister, his son Isaac did the same thing. And so I can imagine his wife saying, you're just like your father. You're just like your mother. And so these fights and you have Jacob who married the wrong woman, literally. He thinks he's marrying Rachel and wakes up with Leah. Many of us have done that. Joseph marries an Egyptian. 
I've always been taught in the Bible that Egyptians are not godly people. Moses, his wife, hates discipleship. It's a, this is a bloody fellowship. Anyway, and he's trying to be the pastor. He's trying to preach sermons and, and, and confidence. And, and his wife hates the fellowship. Can you imagine these problems in the house and these fights? David, my goodness. We'll, we'll move on, David. <laughs> Joseph and Mary, you're pregnant? <laughs> what? And so, you know, Joseph's a godly man. He believes her, but he goes to work. He said, my, my wife's pregnant. You got married, Joseph? No. And so they're talking at work. He gets home and you're not, how are you pregnant? And can you imagine the fights? And so what a revelation. In almost the entire Bible, there's not a perfect marriage. You have me and my wife. Immature without a clue. So my question is, can God use imperfect marriages? First Corinthians 732. But I want you to be without care. So Paul's writing, he says, he who is unmarried carries for cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put you on a leash, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. And Paul is saying that marriage is a distraction. The Bible says this. That being married is a distraction. And another version version says, I say this for your own benefit, uh, but uh, uh, for good order, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. With as few distractions as possible. Paul's saying it's better to not be married. And all the single people say. (laughs) Somebody blew it. It, it, Not a lot of interpreting. Not a lot of. Maybe he's saying. He's saying no it's better. That you can be completely undivided, devoted to your relationship with Jesus. We Christians were promised to a marriage relationship with Jesus, and that's number one. We are the bride of Christ. Another one says to promote good order and unhindered devotion to the Lord. That the first thing is our relationship with Jesus. Revelation 21, 9 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled 
with the seven last plagues came to me and talked to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. This is very important that the bride is waiting and she's clean and she's uh, completely devoted to the return of the groom. She's waiting and she's not thinking about anybody, any other man. She's not thinking about any other thing. This is her life. She's waiting for him to come. And Paul says that it's better to not be married because marriage can be a distraction. So he wants you to put Christ first and be married to him above all. Single people here. You, 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 you can come to church without asking permission. You can go on outreach. You can be at church all the time. So tomorrow night, the, the, the men are going to go street preaching, and they don't have to ask anybody. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just got married. I can't come tomorrow. Sorry, but I just got married and, and there's responsibilities. And, and listen, listen, some of them are valid. Okay, sorry, but I, I've got I to gotta mow, the, mow the grass. Oh, do you have grass here? It's so hot. <laughs> that was my excuse on the East Coast. And we, I, I have responsibilities. I have to tend to my family. And so what Paul's saying is that... that the single people, you can be completely devoted. You can be in church. You, there's no division. We married people have to tend to the things of our marriage. And so there's lots of reasons and excuses. And so us that are married and we have imperfect marriages can use marriage as an excuse not to answer the call of God. And, and we'll talk about in, in a moment uh, family time. And, and I, I, I can't go all the way for God because uh, I, I'm married. And we use these as excuses. My marriage is not perfect, so I guess I can't serve God like I want to. Wrong. Matthew 19, verse 4. And he answered and he said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so designed in the beginning in Genesis 2 verse 18, and the Lord God said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so God designed marriage so that we can do all that God wants us to do. He designed it in the beginning that we would use marriage. Uh, uh, the wife would uh, propel the, the man and she would be there and there would be no conflict. And, and she would balance his ministry and they would be partners and they would be side by side in their world evangelism endeavors. Outreach. 
So the question is, the two becoming one. I'm reading a, a, a book right now, and in this book he talks about um, finances, and he talks about uh, married, married couples that have two separate checkbooks. And so this, I guess this is common. I, I, I don't. We barely have enough for one checkbook. <laughs> and there's a spirit behind uh, having two checkbooks. And, and you know, uh, she's thinking he's so irresponsible, and so I've got to protect myself. And, and he's thinking, well, I just want to have fun and spend my money. I earned it. And so it's, it's two people in, 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 in one house and, and two individuals in you can have spiritual checkbooks as well, two separate check, and it's two separate people living in one house. And he says the two shall become one, one mind, one vision, one dream, and that the two can be one in all areas. Instead of looking at your individual call, it's looking at one call. For the both of you. I want to share something with you about a verse of scripture that I go back to often. It's Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work to, together for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. When my wife and I got married... Um, it wasn't pretty. We had to get married very quickly. Very quickly. Just barely in the fellowship. I had one, two, three months into the, to the fellowship. And we get married under very bad circumstances. I didn't know how to be a husband. Didn't, know, didn't have an example. My, my father was married six times. Parents divorced, grandparents divorced, great-grandparents divorced, both sides of the family, no example. And so we enter, we were thrusted into marriage under very, very bad circumstances. And I can remember, I can remember being a new convert and I wanted to be married. I wanted a good marriage. I wanted things to work. And I can remember in my mind, I was sitting in a, in a revival and I was thinking in my mind, I don't even remember if the sermon was on marriage or not, and I remember in my mind, if I can make it five years in my marriage, it'll be a miracle. For some reason, five years, if I can just make it just five years, and I'm thinking about how imperfect things were. And in this revival, I remember coming to the altar and as soon as I touch my knee on the ground, I feel God spoke to me right in my spirit. And he says, not only five, but five, but five, 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 five. And I was trying to count, no. And this, he says, not only five, but I'm going to do much, much more in your life. And I begin to see God take something very, very imperfect and begin to form and make something work out of it. 
you know, what you see tonight is a, is a, is a suit, and, but, but I know me. <laughs> and my imperfections and all that was involved in. We answered the call of God. And on the night that, this is very interesting, on the night that we were sent out, there was an evangelist in town, and so our farewell service with, with an evangelist. And he gave my wife and me a word, and he said, God is going to use your marriage immediately when you arrive to your new city. What an irony, huh? We arrive in Norfolk, Virginia, and immediately God brings in couples with destroyed marriages beyond belief. Honest story, a couple comes in for marriage counseling, and they sit down, and I'm talking to them, and I'm, I'm hearing the destruction and the hate and the bitterness. And while I'm talking, giving godly advice, I'm thinking in my mind, they're not going to make it. I'm thinking, this is so far beyond me. This is so, I can't believe the problems I have. And I begin to just share what, what happened. And this was in the year 2000. It's 2009, and that same couple is still in the Norfolk church and they're married and living for God. <laughs> family after family. And, and just this conference, I'm having lunch with um, or breakfast with um, Joe Rice. He's in San Diego. And so he said, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, a couple came uh, to visit us. Uh, from the, your old church in Norfolk. And he says, the only thing he told me was this, our marriage was destroyed and Pastor Gunkel helped us with our marriage. That's the only thing that they told him. And so I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. How God can use and take something so imperfect, something so difficult, and use it to, to help others. I want to close with what I believe. And so I'm, I, as I write this sermon, I'm thinking this is just too simple, the solution. We need... And what my wife and I have is we're on the same page. We believe the same thing. We think the same thing. We have the same desires and the same dreams. Because number one, we talk. It seems so, so simple, but I find so many men that don't, they don't talk to their wife. <laughs> don't say amen. And this is absolutely critical when there's a struggle in the will of God. It's one thing I hear the women say, well, that's just the, that's just the way he is. 
That's fine when things are going well and Jesus tells me where to go. But when the struggle comes and there is no fruit and you're doubting the will of God and you're doubting where you are, uh, you have to talk. You have to communicate. You have to share what you're going through and to be on the same page. And, and when there's doubts and, and things aren't going the way that you want them to go, she, she feels insecure and she has to talk. And so this week at conference, God's speaking to me, and, and we're, we're going back to Argentina, and we're going to be there another two years at least. And so in the back of the wife's mind, well, maybe they're going to tap on our shoulder and offer us a church with 600 people. Or maybe they're going to do this. and that. Right? When you're struggling and, you, and you, you're looking for fruitfulness, and you begin to doubt and talk and communicate and and respect. I don't know how many times there's been difference of opinion, and I can remember we're, we're, we're overseas and we're working through things. And so it's not Africa, there's not hundreds of people coming in. This is one by one by one by one. And at this certain point, one or two year mark, things weren't going well, and we're talking, and she says, Well, you know the church is a reflection of the pastor. <laughs> yeah, but... And, and so, to, to, to listen and respect what the other one is feeling, and it's getting on the same page and seeing the same thing through talking. Number two is through prayer. When I was a young disciple and I was in church and I felt God called me to preach, but I wasn't doing anything about it. I was going to three services a week. I was in prayer. I was going on outreach, doing everything that needed to be done, but I wasn't pursuing the will of God with all my heart. And... This was a, a cloudy time. This was a dark time. This was, I think it was two years. And wrestling and not talking about it in the fights. And we had plans when I get out of the, the military, we're going to go to this city and that city. And so we weren't definitely not on the same page. And I can remember one night, we were heading to bed. We're laying in bed and my wife she doesn't even remember saying this. She says, I think you'd be a good preacher. And rolled over and turned off the light and went to sleep. <laughs> and, no, no, and, and so I was nowhere near going to be a good preacher at this time. Nowhere near ready to answer the call of God. And she said these words. And God intervened in my heart to, and there was a change immediately. And so, you're, ladies, you're not going to change him. The man has to respond on his own. He's not going to do it. Listen to us. So, to get on the same page, we talk and we communicate. This is my desire and, and this is what I... Yeah, and, and, and prayer will cause 
God to intervene. And so we see that we know God works all things together for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But in context, before that scripture, in verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses or our imperfect marriages. For we do not know what we should pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so, so through prayer, God can intervene and put you on the same page. There is hope. Maybe there are, there are women here tonight and your husband is not saved. He's far behind you. And you can begin to pray instead of beat him up. And God will intervene for him and through him and he will respond and it'll be his thing. You won't be so frustrated. And I, I want to uh, real quick um, close with family time. You know what family time is um, for me, my wife, and my family? Church. This is our family time. This is what we do. Vacation is, is conference for us. Outreach or, or going to visit someone in the hospital is, is family time. And we have people over. That's family time. There, there's a place for vacation. Don't. But that, that's that's who we are and that, that's what we are and I remember not long ago my daughter began to or I was heading out to to do errands and my daughter asked me she says she said daddy can I can I go with you I, yes you can go with me see that's family time and this is and so we do this whole thing together and we have one mind and one vision and one goal, and that's who we are. And we brought our daughter with us to Prescott Conference, the older daughter. She's 15. And uh, what is amazing is I bring her with, her with us, and so she sees and listens to the preaching and relates it to our lives and sees the struggles, and she's understanding that this is who we are. We're not separate people. We're not two checkbook people. This is two people that are on the same page. Instead of saying, sorry, I, I just got married. I can't do the will of God. I can't go on outreach like I would want to. I can't go preach the gospel like I want to. We need to say, I need to get on the same page so that the two can be one so that we can say, here we are, send us. When we decided to go to Argentina, my wife had never seen Argentina. And she said, yes. Because the two were one. She doesn't have her own goals and her own desires. 
We desire the same thing. And the other day, she did not know I'm, I'm preaching this. I didn't know I was preaching this. She says, I know, I know what you're thinking all the time. She knows right now why I'm sweating. We know each other. And this, this is the reason why we can do and stay and be involved in world evangelism. The very first thing that is attacked is your marriage. Adam and, and, and Eve were attacked through their marriage. And the, the breakdown, you know, Eve is talking to a snake. So the, the woman has to talk. We've heard how many seminars. The woman, she has to talk, she has to talk, she has to talk. Well, obviously, he wasn't talking with her. The Bible doesn't say how many days she was talking to the, to the, to the, the serpent. But she has to talk. And, and so the devil will first thing attack your marriage. And there is absolutely nothing like being on the same page. Everyone that has ever preached a sermon, every man that has ever ministered in a, in a, in a door scene, every, any, anybody that's ever done a Bible study, they know that when the, the marriage is good, uh, he has confidence. He can preach and he can minister and he can do no wrong because she's with him. But the opposite is horribly true as well. When things aren't well, there's not confidence. There's not the ability to minister. And this is, has everything to do with the two becoming one and being on the same page. Can God use an imperfect marriage? Yes. And so if there's one thing that I can leave you tonight with, is there couples here tonight? And, and you're thinking, sorry, but, but I'm, I'm married. I, I can't answer the, the will of God like I want to. There's hope. You can if you want to. And you begin to pray and you begin to get on the same page. And you can do the will of God. Single people that are going to get married one day. What an advantage you have now to find someone that can get on the same page as you, as you before you get married. That you can begin to Christian date without touching. You can sit down and you can talk about what you want to do. And you say, listen, oh, I want to go into the jungles and I want to... And she says... De ninguna manera. Mm -hmm. She says, no way possible. And you say, thank you very much. We'll just be friends. <laughs> but think about how far along you can be if you would, add, and you could be on the same page, you can get married, 
And it's not, sorry, I just got married. It's, let's go, I just got married. And for those that have unsaved spouses in, or spouses behind, I am living proof, evidence that God can use an imperfect marriage. And so you, you look at other marriages and you're comparing and you're thinking, I could never do it. Uh, there's hope tonight. And so we're going to pray. I'd like you to bow your head. Close your eyes for a moment. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.